Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Marcus Paspitz with RioMax, and thanks for tuning in to the RioMax Tailgate Talks podcast. Today on the podcast, we have an audio excerpt from one of our past webinars. But uh, that brings us up to our third speaker, the one and only Will Harris from uh, Bluffton, Georgia. Will, I, I don't need to give you any formal introductions. Take it away. Not back to trouble, although I'm Will Harris the third. So uh, it was okay, uh, the third. I'm no one still living, but there was, there was a couple others before me. So uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Will Harris. Uh, my farm is White Oak Pastures in Bluffton, Georgia. It's our multi-generational, multi-species, vertically integrated farm. It's uh, to, to, today. We pasture-raise five red meat species, cows, hogs, sheep, goats, rabbits, and we're hand-butchering on a USDA-inspected abattoir that we built here, or slaughterhouse that we built here on the farm. We pasture-raise five poultry species, chickens, turkeys, geese, skinners, and ducks, and we're hand-butchering them on a separate USDA-inspected slaughterhouse here on the farm. We raise uh, uh, pastured eggs, uh, uh, organic vegetables, honey, a lot of other, a lot of other different species. Oh, I didn't know we were going to do the slideshow. That's good. My daughter set all this up, so uh, that's good. Uh, that's my great granddaddy, James Edward Harris, came here in 1866. And what I enjoy most about the farm uh, today is how, in the 150 something years we've been here, the farm has come full cycle. Today, what we do is a lot more like what my great-granddaddy and granddaddy did than it was like what my daddy and I did. Uh, like Jim, uh, I went to college in the 70s, University of Georgia, graduated in 1976 in animal science, came home and ran uh, the farm like my daddy did. So what my great-granddaddy granddaddy did would have been uh, multi-species, multi-generational, vertically integrated. We slaughtered here on the farm, sold meat locally. Post-World War II, my daddy, uh, who was born in 1920, so he'd have been 26 years old, 1946, that he is. He he really changed the farm. It went from multi-species to being just a cow farm. Uh, uh, You know, we embraced using chemical fertilizers and pesticides and hormone implants and ionospores and uh, sub therapeutic antibiotics and whatever else it was. When I got home from Georgia, I talked it up even more so and ran the farm like that for 20 years. In the mid 90s, I uh, made some, and I'll say this we, we made money. We, we were profitable. We paid taxes every year. We were not rich people, but we were pretty good cow people. We had no debt. So we made a profit every year. I don't ever remember not having to pay taxes, and I'm sure my daddy didn't didn't either on his watch. <clears throat> but I did start to change the farm and uh, gave up the chemical fertilizer, the things I mentioned earlier, chemical fertilizer, pesticides, other things I mentioned, and uh, uh, started adding other species. Went from the monoculture, just cattle, to the, all the species that I named for you a minute ago. And, and really enjoyed that. I really liked it. Uh, uh, I found out that uh, I couldn't make, I could not make money. I went from being profitable every year, not making money, because when I gave up 
fertilize and such, my productivity dropped for a long time. Uh, and, and I couldn't sell my, my animals into the commodity market and extract the added value, added cost I was putting into it. So we started marketing uh, our our uh, beef and pork and lamb and poultry under the White Oak Pastures label of using outside slaughterhouses to uh, uh, process for me. And uh, that worked, but before I got profitable, I, I uh, exhausted all the outside slaughter capacity. In other words, I would need to slaughter 12 head, and they tell me, no, don't bring but six. I just couldn't make money with that. So at that point, we had to decide whether to go back to being a commodity cow business, which you know I had enjoyed for years, or move on in this direction. And the difference was to build slaughter capacity. We made the decision to do it. And I went from not having any debt at all to uh, I borrowed about seven and a half million dollars. Not, not, not one day, but over a short period of time to build all the value addition facilities I just named. And uh, uh, and, and we changed the farm a lot. Today, the farm is... Uh, the main farm, the home place, is 3,200 acres. It's divided up into 110 or 12, 30-ish acre paddocks. And during the growing season, we move cattle every single day. Uh, we get about 52 inches of rain. I'm in the uh, coastal plain of the Gulf of Mexico, about 70 miles from the Gulf. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good place to grow grass. We uh, Our rain comes fairly uniformly throughout the year. We don't have a monsoon and you know, dry season particularly. Uh, the uh, We hadn't used any chemical fertilizer here since um, the late 90s. Uh, we generate about uh, nine tons a day of uh, packing plant waste, what they call packing plant waste, I, I consider it to be a nutrient stream. It's the eviscerate, gut fill, heads, feathers, whatever is uh, not marketable out of our slaughterhouses. We compost it with uh, that. We grind it. We compost that with uh, uh, either peanut shells or uh, uh, tree mulch, whatever is the cheapest. Well, most available, we apply that back to the land. We let it uh, compost for about a year and apply about two tons of the acre to the 3,200 acres. In addition to the 3,200 acre home place, we have a new project. We're grazing sheep and poultry under 1,425 acre solar voltaic farm. It's about six miles from here. Uh, we actually have the contract, the vegetation management contract, to keep the plants from shading out the soil panels. We've got a couple thousand sheep down there. And, and, and to be honest, a couple thousand sheep is all that land will carry right now. And so it's a very degraded landscape. It was corn, cotton, peanuts, corn, cotton, peanuts for all my life. I'm 66 years old, and uh, which will pull the organic model down to about a half a percent. And then it was a construction site. They put in those 357,000 pounds. 
So it's, it's not growing much grass, but so we, we're doing a lot of mowing because opportunistic weeds are coming up where we hope to eventually to have warm season perennial grasses. Uh, poultry helps, uh, poultry is a good fertility source now. Uh, that, uh, that solar grazing is something that we hope to do more of. The solar uh, company that we're working with uh, if that 1,425 acre uh, place is putting in another 1,000 acre place right now and developing another, another 2,000 acre array next year. So that's a growing growing market for us. We hope of, uh, we're doing a, a research experiment, research project with the Department of Energy to see if those panels can be uh, designed differently to graze cattle under them. These off-the-shelf panels that we're grazing under now uh, will only work for, uh, the only species I got is, is sheep and poultry, but uh, pretty exciting to potentially graze cattle under it. But uh, I think that's sort of, if I, if I got it, I'm timing correctly, that kind of uses up my time, but uh, again, it's, it's a pleasure to be with y'all today. Thank you, Will. That's that's uh, exciting. I've I've heard a bit about that uh, grazing under the solar panels, um, but if we can get those to where can graze cattle, that that'll really open up a huge opportunity. That's that's really cool. The uh, we 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 uh, uh, the solar company is a uh, it's uh, uh, Silicon Ranch is the name of the headquarters in Nashville. Uh, they and White Oak Passes had decided to do some some experimenting to see what we could do to, to re-engineer the panels and, uh, and at our own expense. I was going to pay half and the Silicon Ranch was going to pay half. Uh, while we were working on that, uh, one of the folks from Silicon Ranch found that there was a uh, Department of Energy grant for research and we applied for it and it was funded. So we hadn't started yet, but uh, later this year, uh, it's going to be a $1.77 million grant to do research to figure out how to, what, what's got to be done to re-engineer those panels to make them work for cattle. So it's, it's very, very exciting. The prediction is for more and more land to go into solar voltaic and to be able to graze that would be quite a, quite a plus for a lot of us. Yeah, that's that's uh, really innovative. Um, so, do you see the the uh, growth of solar panel land being converted to solar panel use in the next three to five years? You see that being pretty steep growth, or well, that's that's above my pay grade. But uh, yeah, I mean, I read uh, a lot about uh, up to a million acres over the next. Uh, 12, 15 years, uh, those numbers are out there. I, I read them online just like you can, but it is it's certainly increasing in my area dramatically. As I said, there's a, just finished a 1,425 acres, another 1,000, another 2,000, another 780 acres. So it's, these are all right here in the striking distance of White Oak Pastures. By the way, one thing I was going to tell you, and I, I failed to tell you, is uh, I, I like to uh, urge y'all to look at uh, on our website, whiteoakpastures.com. 
uh, under the uh, uh, land stewardship segment. There's a, a work done called an LCA, Life Cycle Assessment. It was done by a third party uh, environmental engineering group from Minnesota. And it shows that over the last 20 years, the organic matter in our soils and white oak pastures has moved from a half a percent to a 5%. And to put that in perspective, 1% organic matter uh, will hold a one-inch rain event. So today, uh, we can absorb a five-inch rain event. And not if it comes in 30 minutes, if it's a 24-hour kind of deal, there's very little runoff. Whereas the, my neighbor's land, you know, my land 20 years ago, would only absorb a half an inch rain event. So that's following up on what we said earlier about it's not how much rain you get, it's how much rain you keep and use. That's uh, from whiteoakpasture.com uh, under the uh, land stewardship, the uh, LCA life cycle assessment. Well, one of the things that's been a, a little disturbing to me with regard to this study, I'm very proud of the study, very proud of the results. I think I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with all that. But all that focus on carbon, and again, car, it's the question of carbon is important, but that, that's not the only benefit. You know, earlier, uh, you were talking about microbial activity. Earlier, you were talking about uh, water absorption. There's just a lot of, of uh, benefits to uh, farming the way for, for, has been for us farming the way we have come to farm managing land the way we've come to manage the land and I hate for it to get so balled up into all being about carbon sequestration it's, that's just one one facet of it I'm also put off by the bickering between scientists you know they uh, it seems like no two of them want to measure it the same way but that's that's all above my pay grade. I don't need a. I really. I'm, I'm pleased with this LCA, but I didn't need it. I mean, I can walk out and look at my land versus my neighbor's land, and and see the difference. I, I can I can I can see it at, at 40 miles an hour riding by. And I, I can remember how it looked 25 years ago. So the the benefits of what we do, what any 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 of us can do, is is very very evident. Well, I, I'm just going to ask one more question, and then we're going to have just a few minute break. So if anybody needs a bathroom stop or anything like that, my last question, Will, is you've, you're very, very um, progressive, and you, your, your journey has been long, and you got a lot of, um, well, multi-species and then the slaughter side of it. What, what advice would you give to somebody that has not started the journey and yet they can see that regenerate, regenerating the soil and, and that whole, they can see that it makes sense. What would your advice to be to them be as a first step? <clears throat> the, the, uh, we were very lucky with the time and on, uh, when we started this, we were a little earlier, uh, earlier, uh, moving to it than, than most people have been on it by 20, or moving towards it by 25 years. Most of the people I've seen that started down this road that failed did so because they put all their emphasis on production. You know, the production is the fun part. That's what we do out there in the pasture. That's what we all want to do. But there's, I tell my daughters, I got two daughters at work 
here with me that there's, there's three legs on the stool. There's production, the fun part, in the pasture. There's processing, which is the capital intensive part that's highly regulated. Then there's marketing and distribution, getting the product to people that want it. And like any stool, all three legs have got to be the same length. Doesn't, doesn't really matter what volume you do, and it could be way down here, way up here. But if one leg gets too long, too short, the stool comes over. So the problems I've seen is uh, overemphasis on the part of, of many farmers on just figuring out you know, how, to, how to sequester carbon, how to get earthworms back in your soil, how to get the bulk density laying down. That's, that's, that's fun. We all like it. But you've also got to monetize what comes off of it. You know, people don't buy, consumers don't buy cows and hogs and, and sheep. They buy lamb and pork and beef. So you've got to make that transition to something that people will, can pay you for, and you've got to get it to them. So it, it's, uh, I, I would urge everybody to focus on not just one, but all three. Thank you. That's a great analogy. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed that. We have these free webinars on a monthly basis and would love to have you live to enjoy the entire webinar and ask questions. To get signed up for our upcoming webinars, head on over to riomax.net slash events to get in on our next event. If you're enjoying what we've got to offer on the Riomax Tailgate Talks podcast, I'd encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I look forward to next time and you guys have a good one.